Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Sir, he's never the underdog. Yes, he's never the underdog. Sir. He's never the underdog. Duke fans, welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith. Joined, we got some special guests this week. Pretty happy to have Adam Rowe back from the Devil's Den. We also have Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. Going to be looking at the football team this week. Um, pretty big matchup. I think there's a lot of excitement. First time we got college game day here in Durham. You've probably seen some of the posts, some of the pictures out front in front of the chapel is going to be pretty big time um you know beautiful spot so a lot of excitement around campus a lot of excitement from the fans duke enters the game 4-0 17th in the ap poll notre dame comes in at 4-1 right after a heartbreaker last week to osu um so you know it's i think it's interesting to talk about the matchup what's going to look like if you listen to our podcast a few weeks ago we had bud elliott on um and this was a matchup that he found pretty favorable for duke at that time and predicted a duke win We'll see if the the tides changed at all or if that kind of holds steady here. Um, before we jump into the game, Adam, just some general thoughts on Duke this season, kind of the hype around the program, almost some of the national hype that's starting to bleed in. Um, you know, was kind of hoping Clemson would beat Florida State just to make that win stand out a little bit more. But what's the thoughts around the program mm-hmm. and the feeling heading into this one? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody had – high hopes for what this team could be coming into the season. I know we did the the preseason podcast of Bud Elliott. He's the national leading national voice in college football. And, and he thought this team could, could kind of repeat what they did last year, win eight games. Um, but also, like a lot of people had questions about how they would navigate this schedule because it was a much tougher than last year's schedule. You're bringing in Clemson, Notre Dame, obviously, is coming this weekend. You go on the road to FSU. Louisville and North Carolina. Um, it's just it, it, it on paper, it just looked like there was going to be a step back in the records. Um, I think everybody thought the team was going to progress, but how they would get through this year and that season opening win against Clemson, I, mean, I think it kind of shut the door on any 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 lingering doubts that anybody had as to how far this program had come for Mike Elko. It doesn't doesn't matter. Sure, Clemson's down. They're not having a great year. They had a new starting quarterback, new offensive coordinator. Week one, probably a great time for Duke to catch them. You look at the 24-7 sports college team talent composite rankings, like Clemson blows Duke out of the water. Hmm. And they just got the Jimmys and the Joes. And Duke has, for, I mean, I think there's a lot of athletic ADs out there that are trying to figure out how. Mike Elko mm-hmm. and team have done this, but they've coached up their guys that maybe were coming in, you know, out of high school at a talent deficit. They've, they've got them to where they believe they can compete with, with players who might be more athletically gifted than them. 
Um, and they showed it week one. And ever since then, I mean, I think Duke is one of like seven teams that's beaten every opponent they've played by at least 20 points. Um, surprisingly, I think if you haven't watched Duke yet, they rested their players an entire half of football against Lafayette, an entire quarter against Northwestern. I mean, this team is just blowing out their opponents and it's leading into what might be the biggest football game on Duke's campus, at least in recent memory, since television went to color. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> what, what's more impressive for you, though, Adam, like beating Clemson or taking care of business post Clemson? Like, because I think a lot of people are kind of just even even the Connecticut game. You look at the score now, it's a blowout. But early in the game, it's like, oh, here's Duke. Right. Like, here's the letdown. Here it comes. Yeah. Like, here we're going to. It was a one time flash in the pan. Like, sure. is it more impressive to to beat that Clemson or to say, no, we're four and oh, and like, this is what we do now. And we're, we're, we're taking it serious. I, I mean, I think the win over Clemson is just different for Duke. They've had a lot of opportunities to kind of back up a top 25 ranking, back up a, a hot start to the season, and they've always fallen short. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like Lucy and Charlie Brown football. <laughs> Uh, and for them to come out, it was the only game on TV on Labor Day for them to come out. And I mean, I mean, Clemson was able to move the ball in the second half. But if you watch that first half, like Duke shut them down left and right. They, they couldn't get anything going. It was an impressive win. Not not just that they beat them, but that they beat them as badly as they did. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that was more impressive. Connecticut. Northwestern Lafayette, like that's just it's just not playing at a much higher level than those programs are now, which is cool to see. Yeah, I mean, but, biggest win right. in probably my lifetime. Had we beaten um the what was it A and M in the bowl there with with Manziel, maybe that one gets the bigger win. Um, th- that's got to sure. be up there. Um, you know, t- t- yeah. I mean, obviously, I think we were hoping for a, a matchup where we have two undefeated teams here. So, Tim, talk to us a little bit about thoughts on Notre Dame. I mean, of course, at this point in the season, no real need to panic. You know, lost a heartbreaker there. Um, What's the kind of thoughts and feelings surrounding the program after that loss and heading down to Durham? Yeah, I figured it had been a long time since uh, everybody out in Duke was probably rooting for Notre Dame to win a football game. But I'm sure (laughs) that was the case with the Ohio State (laughs) matchup. Uh, Yeah, they're, uh, you know, it's it's that inconceivable way to lose a game to have mm-hmm. 10 players on the field for consecutive plays because we've gone back and forth and, you know, our fans are kind of mad about how Notre Dame managed the last four minutes, both on offense and defense in that they actually took out Audric Estime after getting the first down, uh, never came back in, lost five on a handoff. We have found out that was actually Sam Hartman's fault on the fake handoff. It was not the running backs, but we always assumed it was the running back because he was a freshman and a redshirt freshman there. But I think people want to see Estime in there. Then the screen pass you know, if the screen pass works, it's genius. If it doesn't, well, there's a reason you don't do the screen pass. The clock stops. And the clock stopping was a major issue with Ohio State's offense. Uh, defensively, of course, Ohio State got a third and 10, a fourth and seven, eight yards, and third and 19 at the 22. To convert that at the two-yard line, I remember before the snap, I said to the my colleague next to me, this is tricky because there's a first down right there at the three-yard line. Like, you're... Your natural instinct is protecting the end zone, 
And it did look like one of the safeties, Ramon Henderson, was protecting the end zone on the throw when he came up and made the tackle at the two for the first down. <laughs> and of course, you assume it is reiterated and everyone should know that. But it just it's that weird look where you look and you're like they're not going to the end zone. They just have to get to the three yard line and credit Ohio State for doing it. I mean, Emeka Egbuka, he saw the spot. He went he went in and took it. I'm sure he could have bent that all the way down the seam to go for the touchdown. But that was a great throw. Ohio State deserves a lot of credit for executing at the end of the game, too. But I think only Notre Dame fans and the players and the coaches, I just cannot get over the ending uh, with 10 men on the field. Uh, we were talking, Josh and I were talking at him before that we got on here. I am positive Ohio State did not know on the first play because they rolled right mm -hmm. through away. And I am positive they knew on the other one because they ran directly <laughs> where they were supposed to be a defensive lineman. So we, we've kind of litigated this from every angle. I can't believe somebody didn't do something about it. But uh, sure. I feel like it is a very hard game. To bounce back from now mm. there some teams do have the mad as hornets reaction when this happens and you know notre dame if they beat number 17 duke and then number four usc you're right back in what you're number eight sure. in the country number seven in the country going into november where you still have clemson they gotta hope clemson doesn't lose anymore uh with florida state and duke beating them because they need clemson to be a pretty good team but yeah, and then of course, Notre Dame fans are in the awful position of rooting for Ohio State because now they need Ohio State to be one of the teams going <laughs> into the end as well. But it's uh, it could go either way in terms of the preparation this week. I'm going to ask Marcus Freeman. I'm going to preface it by saying no coach has ever said we had a bad week of practice. But what did you have to do to get a good week of practice out of them? Because we'll talk to him Thursday, and every coach has a plan Monday and Tuesday to to get the troops rallied. Let's see what really happened on Thursday because I think. Mentally, they have to adjust. Um, I think if this was week nine, I would think they would be flat and Duke could put one on them. But I don't think you're going to be flat mm -hmm. up into a September game at this point. Okay. So trying to protect a little bit from any kind of lingering yes, residual yes. stuff coming off of that. Rewrite Remember the last year, Marshall beat Notre Dame. This is a different situation, different teams. But Marshall beat Notre Dame the week after Ohio State. Notre Dame put nine months into Ohio State last year, the season opener in Columbus. I know they didn't put nine months into this one. But they put a lot into this game. I mean, Notre Dame knew they were going to beat Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan. They they had a, they knew they had to go to NC State and perform well. But that was also yeah. a bit of a business-like approach there when they you know walked down 45 points on the road. They put a lot into Ohio State, more than I think they're ever going to say. And I, I think that could be a deflating situation. I will say every Notre Dame fan before the game was played looked at Duke as the trap game. But I think they thought mm -hmm. Notre Dame would win over Ohio State, which makes Duke the trap game. Now I'm not sure if they feel the same way. Yeah. What do you what do you put towards? I mean, Notre Dame is the only one of the only teams, maybe the only team in the country that's played five games already. What what do you what do you say to this game is a September game, but it's week six, like where you know they've already gone. Now this will be the the halfway point of the season. Like does does that change the calculus any on like you say like maybe in a November game they might be, or is it just because they have so much left to play? Four. I think it's they have so much they have so much left to play for. It's a weird schedule tweak for or a quirk for Notre Dame though. Week September 30th when they leave Wallace Wade Stadium, they're gonna be have six their half their season's half over. It's the strangest Crazy. thing. There's no bye coming up either. They go at Louisville and, mm -hmm. and then they get USC. It's the craziest. I don't know who put that together. They should have shoved a bye in there somewhere. <laughs> but it's a uh it's a weird situation. Yeah, I think you know, you you'd like to think if that Notre Dame's coaches could get them rallied and ready for a five and one sure. team. I mean, you're 11th in the country. You beat Duke who's 17 and looks great. 
you're probably move up to 10th mm-hmm. as long as somebody loses in front of you at 10th, 9th. And then you start, then, then of course, Caleb Williams comes into town and everything changes. So it would be Notre Dame's own fault if they're not prepared for this. I'm just saying that I've seen Notre Dame lose a game in November where they fall out of the national picture and then they just look awful the next game because everything they were playing for mm-hmm. went away. I don't really think that's the case right now. Got it. What about the college game day aspect? I'm curious for y'all to's take. Does does that give an advantage to either team here? Does do you like to play spoiler? Obviously, you want to play spoiler coming in. You can kind of get maybe a little relaxed if you're the home team, or it can vice versa, right? We're pep rallying, we're rallying the troops, everyone's fired up, running through walls. Do y'all do y'all put any stock into that, or is that more fan service stuff? Speaking of someone who's covered Duke football for a while, yeah, I defer to Tim. Well, I, yeah, I was going to say, I, it's funny because I think this is a, a un, just a, such a unique situation for Duke. Like Notre Dame, when we heard the uh, game day was coming to Duke, we're like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. They're usually, follow, they're usually around three Notre Dame games a year where there's, Duke's undefeated Notre Dame. And they probably made the decision when it was the fourth quarter, it looked like Notre Dame was going to win, to be honest with you. But, but uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's maybe the way it would help Notre Dame a little is obviously it's a big deal again, but it's got to help Duke. I mean, it's, unless Duke comes out super flat, which I just don't think Elko would let them do that. And they have veteran players too. I know this is a unique situation, but that, I don't mean super flat. I mean, super tense. I don't, can't see them coming out super tense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fan thing, but uh, it also, if, if we want to look at it both ways, I mean, I'm sure Notre Dame's players, all right, yep. Game day's here, here again. Let's go. Let's go get it. Let's go show everybody to get it back. I think it's more, that's more of an off the field thing. It might be a different situation if sure. Elko wasn't so steady. I think just from knowing him, he used to be, he used to be my neighbor. By the way, I got to look him up when uh oh, wow. when I get out there. So I, I got to see. Uh, nice. He was at an Easter egg hunt with me and my kids once. So we have to, <laughs> have to look up Mike Elko when he out there. I'm sure he's not busy this weekend at all. I'll see what he can do Friday night. Maybe I'll keep him out too late. Nah, nothing. Yeah, yeah, nothing. <laughs> yeah. I agree with Tim. I mean, Elko, he came out in the press conference yesterday, and there were a lot of. A lot more people there than usually are, but he maintained <laughs> those a really are fun, presence those fun? and was like, yeah, yeah. And it was like, it was funny because there was a lot of people like local media there that were asking like very meta questions. Like, how is this, how does it feel kind of stuff? And he's like, you know, I think somebody asked him how, how, how he makes sure to keep the players even keeled going into a game like this. And he's like, I, I think I've proved it to you guys by now that I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty level set. Like with my emotional, my emotional makeup will just not let me get too high up or too, too low. Um, and I think that rubs off on the players. I think, like you said, Tim, this is a team full of veteran guys. Um, they've got like, I, I think it's like 25 graduate students or something on the oh. roster. Like it's insane how many, how many experienced players. And I know there are Notre Dame too, but. These guys have been through it. You know, they haven't played in as many of these big games, these game day games like Notre Dame has and Notre Dame's players have, but it, it's going to be another, another matchup for them. You know, I, I think, I think Tim said something really insightful. This is more for the fans than it is for the players. They're going to go through their same routine. They're going to wake up at the same time and at the hotel and go through the walkthroughs and have their team meals. Like, everything is going to be the same until they step step between those lines so i don't think i don't see it as a distraction I, it's more for the fans it's more for like the the community and the future yeah. you know i think it's great for the campus and duke fans this has got to be i mean this is fantastic you know just the, the volume of what it's going to be like inside that stadium i was i i did come in 2019 and as i think i joked in the questions i sent adam 
I went to Cameron in 2015. Uh, it was that revenge game when Notre Dame beat Duke and Duke then beat him by 30. The year Duke won the Duke won the title mm-hmm. that year. And Notre, Notre Dame beat, yeah, Notre Dame almost beat yeah. Kentucky in the Elite Eight, the one point went loss. Uh, I remember walking to Cameron. It was my first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, "Oh, there's a football stadium. Cool." <laughs> it was literally my reaction just for the first time. I don't, I don't think that's yeah. what it's like when I show up uh, on a Saturday. Yeah, What's... it's going to be packed. I mean, oh, it's sold it's out. Be yeah, it's... atmosphere for sure. Sell out. Yeah. yeah. Um, Adam, any any word yet on the the guest picker? Has that stuff been announced? I know that between Duke fans, there's been a lot of like wanting to make this Duke football specific and to kind of. This is our chance to not totally. get like little brothered by the basketball team. What are you? What do you make of that? Have you heard anything? What are your thoughts? I, I'm absolutely 100 percent behind that. I mean, I, I think it should be this is Duke football's moment to shine, you know. And they're always going to be under the shadow of Duke basketball, but like, don't I, I don't see any reason to to bring that on them. The first five guest pickers, I think, have all been entertainment people, anyways. So like it wouldn't surprise me to see Ken Jeong, like Mr. Chow from the Hangover movies. He's like pretty vocal, you know, Duke fan. He's one that actually roots for not just the basketball program but also the football program. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him. Uh, any of like the ESPN personalities now they do tend to trend basketball centric, but I think the guy like Jay Billis has kind of uh, created his own. Uh, persona or aura that's not necessarily tied to Duke basketball. You might see some of that. I, I think as long as they pay reverence to what Mike Elko has done and like, you know, lean into the football aspect of it with like some highlights of basketball here and there, I think that would be the best, like the fairest thing for the program to do. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'm going to try to throw coach K in there. Yeah, I've seen Spurrier um, thrown around he, a little bit too. I that, think, that would be interesting. Great, Maybe you great. guys could get Taylor Swift like Notre Dame was supposed to. That was supposed to happen last week, so I don't know. Yeah. I guess she was busy. Is, <laughs> hey, Duke alum Noah Gray, Kansas City Chiefs, is just one player off the depth chart from dating <laughs> Taylor Swift, actually. I mean, can you get Spurrier up at 10 o'clock <laughs> in the morning? Will he? Well, I mean, I don't know. I didn't even yeah, think dude. about that. That's a great one. <laughs> like the dude just wants to play golf all day, right? We'll see. I, I don't even know. I'm so inexperienced in college game day. I don't know when they're announced <laughs> or like how that happens, what the process is there. I will tell you, Andy had a great scene last. Andy's gotten to a lot of road game college game days, and they get a decent amount at home, but most of them are on the road. I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You, play, you do play a lot of big road games. Uh, yeah. It was quite a scene this past I don't always go like game day. You know, you're like, oh, game day's here. Sure. And that is literally what it's like. But I, that's how I am for the basketball ones. Yeah. yeah, this was this was nuts. I mean, it was an impressive scene. So I think that's uh, that should be fun. It's 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 that's a great thing for the fans. And as you said, for community yeah. and alumni and all that, that, that that's coming this week. Yeah. 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 It's, it's off the field stuff. I don't think it's going to have any impact on the game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick little break right here and then we'll come back and actually jump into the game specifically and kind of do a little bit of a deep dive on that. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer. 
two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. All right. So we've kind of talked a little bit about game day. We've kind of done, we've set the stage a little bit about both teams' mindsets coming in. So let's talk about the actual game here. Um, you know, Adam, I'll go to you first. Keys to success for Duke. Like what has to happen for Duke to be successful in this game? Um, not so much in terms of winning it, but to to be in the game, to stay in the game. What are you looking for specifically? Yeah, I think they're going to, like Tim said earlier, they got to stay, you know, loose, relaxed. They got to do what they normally do. I mean, this team has shown that they're able to win against teams that are better than them. The defense against Clemson in the second half really gave up some some big opportunities there, especially in the third quarter. I let Clemson move the ball a lot, but I think what Riley Leonard's kind of game-breaking play where he broke through three tackles in the backfield and ran it down the sidelines for that that, set, that first second half score. It kind of like I think it not only did it like give Duke the lead. I think it kind of settled the players down a little bit, and they realized they could do it. You know, so I think uh, one thing for Duke is is scoring first. They're undefeated under Mike Elko so far. If they can score first, I think getting out to at least one score will kind of settle them down, get them into the rhythm. And then just just staying staying home, you know. A lot of times in these games where there's where they're playing against a bigger opponent, you got guys that will try to do too much and get out of position. And Notre Dame is so talented; like they're not just athletically gifted; like they're so talented. And and minus the two plays last week, really well coached in my opinion. And like they're gonna find your weakness and exploit the hell out of it. Um, so, so Duke just has to stay home. They've got to play position football and just be where they need to be and let the game kind of flow as it must. Duke hasn't faced off. They played Will Shipley in the first first game of the season, but he's not like Esteem. I mean, he's not like Esteem is such a big bruise and back. I'm curious to see how they handle him. Um, their front four is, is solid. I, I think there's a chance for Notre Dame to get behind those guys and, and, and really break off some big runs. Um, with with Hartman, I know Duke has plenty of experience with him. Um, a lot of these defensive backs have played against him for four years. I, I'm curious to see how different he is in the Notre Dame offense than he was in the Wake Forest offense. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think... You know, while while you're still are, are leaning on your tendencies from having played him before, I think keeping an open mind going into this game and knowing that he might be a different player now, I think it's going to be really important. So I'm really excited. I mean, I, I think it's going to be not just a fun atmosphere, sellout crowd, we've touched on that. But I, I think it's going to be a great game. Mm, yeah, yeah. Tim, for Notre Dame coming in, you mentioned, you know, hoping to get over some of the residual stuff. What are you looking for for Notre Dame to do to be successful in this matchup? Yeah, I think running the ball, um, it will be estimate, but they're also they they kind of pride themselves on going five deep at running back. It's really mm. four deep. They pretend it's five, but uh, it's really, they really <laughs> go four deep. Um, but Jeremiah Love, a freshman and Jadarian Price, a redshirt freshman. Price, actually, he missed last year with an Achilles tear. 
And he's kind of on a pitch count. He got his most snaps all year of 12, I think, against Ohio State. It's been like 5, 8, 10, 10, 12. Uh, he beat out Estime last year, according to all the coaches, before he ruptured his Achilles as a true freshman enrolling. So he's legit. Um, I think Estime might be a better player next year than this year. Uh, next, not Estime, I'm sorry, Price. Jeremiah Love, the freshman, is one of the fastest players on the team. So those two are going to play a lot with Estime. There's a unique thing. They have a fourth running back, Jabron Payne. He wears number three. He's kind of squatly built. He is the he's the short yardage guy, not Estime, not the 233-pounder. So they like what he does by getting Ooh. low. Um, I think Notre Dame will use four running backs behind that offensive line against Duke to try to set the tone, can settle things down. The interesting part with Hartman for me is his offensive line is 10 times better for Notre Dame than it was for Wake. His running backs sure. are much better. His receivers are not better. Like wait, he with his Wake Forest mm. receivers that were that were juniors and seniors, they had a great chemistry and connection. Notre Dame right now has five healthy scholarship wide receivers. Two of them are true freshmen, and they play a lot. Uh, Rico Flores is actually number seventeen. If you watch the game, scored the go ahead touchdown. That uh, he's a true freshman. Uh, another guy, Jaden Greathouse, is number nineteen. He's he's probably a little better than Flores as a pure receiver. But when you're looking at that, and if one of those five is a converted uh, running back, Chris Tyree was the fastest runner on the team last year. Well, it was estimate Diggs and Tyree. Logan Diggs transferred. Um, Tyree is a converted running back playing receiver. So it's a strange situation for Hartman. It's They really don't have the uh, third and seven who you go into situation like Hartman did at Wake Forest. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a hidden hidden aspect of this game. They're missing one starter. I I think they're missing a starter this week because whenever Marcus Freeman says questionable, that means he's out. That's kind of what we found out about football coaches. Um, Jaden <laughs> Thomas is his name. He's He's been up and down. He has a hamstring injury. I think that's why he's been up and down. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he'll play. His backup is out. <laughs> so wow. like there it's an interesting dynamic um they have i think they need the tight ends and running backs to be involved in the passing game so i want to see what duke can do against notre dame's receivers if if they could take them out one-on-one a little bit more than they're used to doing um i think there's a matchup there for duke to win against notre dame's young wide receivers and if that happens that stops the running game a little bit more because you can have an extra defender in the box you can have a safety come up it's not that notre dame's guys aren't capable i mean they're it's just that, you know, you can take your chances with the freshman getting things done for over over 50 snaps if you're Duke, I think. You certainly don't want to lose to estimating the offensive line. That that does right. not make a lot of sense. So I do think they'll challenge the Nordic receivers on the outside. And I think Duke has good corners to do that. It's It seems like something Mike Elko would kind of zero in on, like, hey, there's one thing we can exploit here, and this would be the chance to do it. Um, yeah. The tight end is very – the tight ends are very good. The backup tight end is four touchdowns. And then Mitchell Evans is the starter. He had uh, – he was the best offensive player on the team last week. He had seven targets, seven catches, five first downs. He was the he's the next pro tight end at Notre Dame, but he's more of the sixth round draft pick, not first round draft pick type pro. But he's a <laughs> he's a good player. Uh, but I think they're going to need the running backs and tight ends to catch balls to uh, to have really a good day offensively. I think Duke's got an advantage on the perimeter. Mm, mm. Is there a particular ma- for either either one of y'all? I know it's a little bit different than you know we talk basketball a lot here, right? So individual matchups in football really don't really translate the same way is there though is there anything out there in terms of matching up offense defense that you're looking at for either one here or that could really kind of blow up in this game anything that can move the needle I guess for me it's three on one uh it's Notre Dame's linebackers and Riley Leonard tackling him in space Um, I think that's a big deal they've 
they played Brennan Armstrong and they killed Brennan Armstrong, but he has no weapons, by the way, NC State. When Duke plays NC State, it is, it is Brennan Armstrong and a true freshman that's getting okay at wide receiver, basically, they have. And Notre Dame had a plan. You could see it. Uh, they literally just rushed to keep him in the pocket. And when he would escape, they tackled him. It was, it, was, mm. it was probably the easiest game plan they've ever put together when they looked at the weapons for NC State. I don't know if that will work. I don't think that will work with Duke. And, and Leonard's a better passer, or can be a better passer, I think. Marcus Freeman said he's a better runner than Armstrong and that he's just bigger. And when he contacts you, it's two more yards. And that adds up mm-hmm. over time as I would like. So it's interesting to see if Notre Dame can contact Riley Leonard and it's not two more yards or if they can if they can hit Riley Leonard a lot. Um, I think that's yeah. a big part of the game because when when he's moving the ball with his legs, it can be debilitating for a defense, too. I mean, when it's third and 10 and he escapes and picks up 11, that that that's what's the real key in this is. Notre Dame's front's going to hold up. Like, it's not going to get murdered in this game, the defensive front. But I think Brian yeah. can make some plays. And that's that's kind of the matchup I'm looking for for Notre Dame trying to stop Duke. That, that will be a challenge. Mm, yeah. Adam, for you, anything you're looking at in terms of kind of a, a one-on-one or kind of that 3-1-1? Or... Yeah, I mean, it's uh, honestly, I mean, I think a lot of what Tim said is, is what's going to happen in this game. Like, Riley Leonard is such a weapon with his legs. and. They, you could tell the last couple of games, they were like, do don't. not run. Yeah, <laughs> like, <don't. laughs> like, they went up 21 or nothing. They were like, don't run unless it's wide open. Um, he did have a rushing touchdown against Connecticut and he didn't get touched. Like, um, so I, I think there's going to be a lot of that going on. But honestly, for me, from Duke's offensive perspective, I'm really interested to see what Kevin Johns comes up with. Um, the Elko talked about this in the, in the, in the, press conference yesterday that they they would have liked to get this this passing that he calls it a throw game they would have liked to get this going a little bit more but like no one can stop him running the ball so far so he's like we're not gonna stop like if you can't stop us and you're putting eight guys in the box seven guys in the box and you can't stop us running we're just gonna keep doing it until you until you figure out a way to stop it and so i'm really curious to see kind of what johns has been holding back a little bit on so far because they haven't had to get into that portion of the of the of the offense. Um, I know Elkos is he's just crafty, he's smart. He's a really smart coach, and he knows like if you don't have to put something on film, you don't do it. So I'm really curious to see like what they what they will come out with. What what's what what they have what haven't they shown yet this year that we're going to see on Saturday night. Um, you know, I think they're going to stick with what they know, what works well. I think they're going to just continue to try to run the ball. But if Notre Dame's front can take care of that that portion of the game for the running backs, which honestly Connecticut did a little bit last weekend, which is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, if Notre Dame can stymie that run game, what's next? What's the next iteration in the playbook? That's going to be really fun for me to watch. An interesting aspect of that is – and. You- I have never said this before. Maybe I've said this twice in 25, the last 25 years of Notre Dame football. Notre Dame has two very good corners. They never mm-hmm. have very good corners. Like their mm-hmm. second ranked pass efficiency defense right now after playing Ohio State. Wow. That's yeah, shocking. We all like know they, about actually, Ohio State they, went from four, they went from four to two after the Ohio mm-hmm. State game. Those dudes can lock it up. So Duke running the ball is the key to this game because. I will. I like. I like Riley Leonard a lot. I like Duke's offense. I love Mike Elko. If Duke can't run, that outside is is not a party for any anybody against Notre Dame this year. The one thing is they do not have a great pass rush. 
which speaks to the corners again. Like Notre Dame doesn't have yeah. a great pass rush and they're still second in pass efficiency defense. So one of the things you throw in there, people are like, well, how good are they? Because Navy does, you know, they played Navy. Navy doesn't pass. Mm-hmm. Ohio State does. <laughs> and I think they yeah. that they can do there. So that's that's a big deal. Uh, yeah, Duke's running game and Riley Leonard, I think that's huge because if they can't run, it's going to be hard. You know, it's, it's yeah. going to be hard to beat Notre Dame passing on the outside. But boy, Duke has looked good running the ball every time. Yeah. I mean, they, if, if you could run the ball in Clemson, that's Clemson's defensive line. Usually, I mean, we, last year, Notre Dame destroyed Clemson's defensive line, but it was the biggest surprise in the history of watching Notre Dame football for us. Like we, we right. thought, cause they had no, they had Drew Pine at quarterback and he's really the third string guy. And it was like, what is, there's no way they can do this, you know? And they just ran them over and we're like, this is strange to me, but right. that, I've seen that happen to Clemson twice in about 10 years. And Duke and Notre Dame did it in the last, like last 10 months. It's a very strange thing, but I think it's a good test for Duke up front with Notre Dame's front seven. Uh, they rotate about a, about 10 guys up front on the defensive mm-hmm. line, which keeps them um, fresh. It was interesting. I asked Marcus Freeman last Thursday, are you going to narrow your rotations a little? Because he would play like 10 defensive linemen, five safeties, five corners, all game long. He'd just throw out freshman corners. And he's like, yeah, we look into those things. And they played like six defensive linemen and two corners. <laughs> it was, yeah. They really <laughs> tied it up. So I think it won't be quite that tight against Duke. But uh, I, I think Notre Dame knows that they got to lean on their best players now. And maybe maybe September's auditions versus NC State are over. And you're going to see the little less of a rotation there for the Irish. Yeah, not to belabor that point. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Duke has done something similar. I mean, they, like, like I said, I, they, they rested nearly their entire first team. Uh, against Lafayette in the second half. They've done the same third, fourth quarter last week, uh, almost the entire second half against Connecticut. I mean, the defensive, the starting defensive line have played an average of like 22 snaps a game. That's crazy. Which is like nuts. Like, I mean, out of like 70 defensive snaps, they played like a third of the game. So it'll, it'll really be interesting to see those guys now. Like now's the time. Like I've got to play a full game. But Duke does something similar on the defensive line. They rotate about eight, nine guys, and and they're not afraid to mix it up. That's great. Uh, for, it's great for the fourth quarter, and it's great for November. I mean, that's when it's yeah. obviously the biggest deal. Yeah, no doubt. And we didn't even really talk. Well, we didn't really single him out, but a guy like Jordan Waters, right? Like he doesn't have mm-hmm. the carries, he doesn't have quite the yards, but the kid has a nose for the end zone. He's got seven touchdowns, right? Like he's really. And I'm curious for him. Like, does that translate? against Notre Dame, right? Like, does that a guy that gets kind of lost in this or, or like, Adam, do you think that he's still going to be able to have that level of success or does this kind of, does this come back to Riley for you? No, I mean, I don't see any reason why not. He, he ran the ball really well against, uh, against Notre Dame. He's a guy, he had seven carries last week against Connecticut and scored two touchdowns. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's pretty efficient. You know, he didn't touch the ball in the second half. He didn't, he didn't put his helmet on. He com- they wanted to save him from hits. And now they've got uh, Jalen Coleman, a redshirt senior, fifth-year guy who hadn't played until this past weekend at, at Connecticut. He's now in the mix, too. So they've got Waters, they've got Coleman, and then they've got Chalkwest Moore, who's a redshirt junior, maybe just true junior, I'm not sure. Um, he's another guy that they can keep rotating in, keep him fresh. Um, you know, I think those guys are all going to be really important. Like Tim said, that the, the – the throw game is important for Duke. It's important for Duke's offense, but if they can't run the ball, they can't keep their defense off the field, and, and it could it could lead to a long day. Yeah, I think you, uh, you get in those second and third uh, units. It's like that's not where you want to be prior to half, right? Like you you got to keep you got to keep that ready to roll here. Um, 
want to do some quick hitting for you guys right quick. I want to throw some numbers at you and just kind of give me what you think here. Um, so again, early in the season, right? Like Duke's played four games, Notre Dame's played five. But as it is, Duke's holding teams to under nine points per game. Notre Dame's scoring almost 40 a game. Um, now, they only had 14 against OSU, but that's a little bit of a different type of matchup there. Uh, the line set, the over-under is 52, Notre Dame minus five and a half. What bends here? Like, where do you see this breaking? It's, it looks like the the betting lines are anticipating somewhat of a, a lower scoring game for a college football game. You know, Tim, I'll go to you first this time. What do you think holds? Does, does Duke defense able to stymie some of that Notre Dame? Is this game going to be played in the teens and 20s? What are you kind of expecting in terms of the product? I think it's in the 20s. Um, if I were to bet on this game, I would bet under. I say, believe it or not, I think it would be in the teens more so than one team getting 35. and Definitely more the teens than the 30s. I mean, I could see somebody gets away in the fourth quarter. You could win 35-21 and stuff like that, of course. But sure. you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it's a game played in the high 20s and 30s. And I, I think it's in the 20s. I think if Notre Dame gets to 30, they win mm. on the road against Duke. I don't think Duke will score 31 points on Notre Dame in this matchup. Uh, their pet, Notre Dame's rush defense is solid, and their pass defense is very, very, very good. So I think if Notre Dame would get to 30, they would win. Um, I do think it favors Duke if it's lower scoring. Like, if you tell me... Final score, 24-20, who won? I'd be like, oh, it might be Duke, you know, along that line. Um, so that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I think Duke's defense will play very well. I, I I mentioned that thing about the wide receivers. I think they will look to – I don't think they're going to stop for four quarters, Notre Dame's running game, but that's not the point. The point is to slow the running game um, and take your chances on the outside. And I think Notre Dame at some point will commit to stopping Duke's running game more than anything. So when you say the throw game, if the throw game is Riley Leonard is – three for eight on third down, but one is a 60-yard touchdown and one is a 40-yard pass that sets up a touchdown, then that works just fine for the throw game. I, I don't think he's coming out and going six of eight on third down passing against Notre Dame, but that it's the chunks that can do it in this game. Um, but I would go under. Like, I'm my score is just under now that I think about it, but I would not. I don't see a shootout. Okay, okay. Adam, that track with you, or are you you're going a little different here? It's real close. I mean, I, I think I wrote in my pre uh, kind of Q and A preview article with Tim earlier today that I, that I feel like I have Duke winning twenty eight twenty four, and and I really don't think that is too far to the realm of possibilities. I'm just looking at uh, Bill Connolly's numbers on uh, S and P Plus from ESPN. He's got this game as Notre Dame winning twenty eight twenty five, but the win probability is only fifty six percent. That tells me that things could go either way. Yeah, yeah. I don't I see mean, thirty-eight, thirty-four though. Do you, Adam? I don't. I don't see anything like that. No, 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 no. And and it would be, it would be like you said, it would be surprising to me for Duke to be able to put that many points on Notre Dame's defense, and vice versa. Honestly, I mean, Duke has only allowed one full-length touchdown drive this season against their first-team defense. That was Northwestern. Clemson's only touchdown of the game was on a muff punt at the 16-yard line. Like, this defense is legit. Uh, the other two teams only scored on on Duke's defense when the third and fourth string were in the at the in the end of the first, fourth quarter. So that's why I, you know I feel like Notre Dame can put some points on the board. I, I would be surprised if it's more than you know 24-28 right in there somewhere. So mm -hmm. so I, I would say this game is going to come down to like the last offensive possession for either team 28 24 yeah. 24 21 
somewhere in there. But like I said, I mean, I, I'm just so excited. Like I, I think this is going to be an awesome game to watch. I want to run one thing by you guys. I think this is interesting. I think NC State's got a good defense. Like they, their offense is not good, but <laughs> I think NC State has a very good defense. Notre Dame in that game yeah. at six three and outs on offense and six mm-hmm. touchdown and six touchdown drives. I have never watched a game in my life. Mm. Six three and outs, not six punts. That happens all the time. Six sure. three and outs yeah. and six touchdown drives. It was the strangest thing to see. It's Peace like almost famine, huh? Yeah, and it was like, what is it? Is it punch counter punch? Was this all up in the booth that this is happening? Because you don't think usually the the lines don't. I mean, the offensive defensive line don't change that much in their encounters. Like, how, where does that come from? And it was, uh, you know, you'll take six touchdown drives an offset versus anything else that happens in a game. But six mm-hmm. six three and outs means you're going to lose usually on the road, especially. Um, and yeah. Freeman pointed out they had zero three and outs against Ohio State, but they only had two touchdown drives. So it's a very mm-hmm. it's a, it's an odd offense uh, right now statistically to look at. I don't think it's a 40-point-per-game offense. I think Ohio State. That game was strange that Notre Dame had a 14-play drive with no points, a 13-play drive with a missed field goal, um, a 12-play drive with a touchdown, and a 96-yard drive. So that was 35 game minutes right mm. there. Like it, it just it just went so fast. It was almost like, I don't know if Duke ever plays Navy, but it was like if you play Navy and you only get seven possessions. Notre Dame had seven possessions against mm-hmm. Ohio State. It's just, it was the strangest thing, and I... I, I don't think Duke would mind that though a seven possession game. I think they'd be I, they'd love a slugfest the way they play defense. Mm. Yeah, I, I think they'd be all about that. Honestly, um, the one thing that that could lead to that too is that you know Notre Dame does not give the ball up, and neither does Duke offensively. Right. They, yeah, neither team has thrown an interception. Yeah, I think I think Notre Dame's turned it over. What they think they fumbled it four times or something like that. Maybe maybe two. Duke is at three fumbles. Neither team has has thrown an interception. Like, it's just not the kind of these teams are not the kind of teams to just cough the ball up and like and create opportunities for the other for the opposition to score quick. Um, Which I think is going to limit the top on that number too. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to come down to like inches. Who can make that last kind of that last play? to put their team on top. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask you about the interceptions. Forward. I think that's interesting because you've, you've talked about the familiarity that the DBs have with Hartman, and so, and that can go either way, right? Um, you know, Tim, you talked about maybe some of the mm-hmm. the not quite experience on the edge for the wide receiver core. Like you got DBs that know the quarterback. Maybe that plays into Duke's favor. Maybe it plays against you if Hartman just picks you apart, knowing what you're going to do, knowing where your step is off. or It could go back and forth. Um, I think that could be something that, with any football game, right? Could completely flip the script. If you come out and you get two picks in the first half or something like that, obviously that completely changes the game. Um, based on what we've seen so far from these two teams, though, I think it's probably fair to expect a pretty clean game in that regard, right? Yeah, I, mean, I would think so. Mm-hmm. I bet we get our first pick by somebody, right? Where there's four teams mm-hmm. left. And one, one is Caleb Williams, and he's not throwing a pick until he plays a better defense. Um, <laughs> I don't think Texas has thrown a pick. Yeah. And Duke and Notre Dame. You, know, you look up at there, and you're like, 16 touchdowns, zero interceptions for Notre Dame. This is insane to think about because at this point last year, I think uh, they had thrown three interception touchdowns. <laughs> oh, so, if you want to look at it that way then things have changed quite a bit for Notre Dame in terms of turning the ball over um, not just interceptions but interception touchdowns hey they won a bowl game with two interception touchdowns against them last year in the Gator Bowl have you ever yeah, conceived of that 
two interception touchdowns. Yeah. It was that's the strangest. Wild. It was a weird team to watch last year, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's something else. But well, it, it sounds like for both of y'all though that you you're kind of tracking a little bit with the Vegas lines here, looking at the under or maybe mashing that as the money line, looking for a pretty tight game to come to play a fourth quarter game, as I think that's what we want, you know, to be in it for it to be that final drive, maybe some heroics or to be right there. Doesn't sound like either one of y'all are expecting some kind of lopsided two three score differential here. Is that fair to say? Yes. I think the line is five and a half or something like that. Yeah, five and a half. In yeah. Notre Dame's favor. And I'd be real surprised if it's more than a touchdown difference. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're a Duke fan, just take them to win. Money line. Take the chance here, right? I mean, what? I think if, I think if it's closer game, it's good Duke's favor. I think that, I mean, if Notre Dame could come out and play fantastic and they could win by 10, mm. 14 points. But I, I would, I think if you're, if you're thinking, well, they could just hang tough and lose by four, just go for it. Just go for the money. I guess how Notre Dame fans, well, of course, Notre Dame fans got burned on that last week. It was three and a half. They're like, ah, oh, just take Notre Dame to win. Lost by three oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason why they keep making money and we don't, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh... <laughs> yeah. That's, don't listen to my advice. That's the reason. That's how they make money. <laughs> Oh man, that's Funny, good stuff. My, uh, I was in the press conference yesterday. And my Google Photos. I was like uploading the videos from the press conference, and uh, my memories from like seven years ago today came up, and it was from South Bend. Oh yeah, I, I was taking pictures on the field of the scoreboard and like all the coaches and players on the sidelines celebrating. You know the most second cool. most famous story about that game, other than Duke beating Notre Dame. What was that? Is I picked Duke. Oh no. There yeah. we go. How about that? But we got you on record this yeah, time, though, that where you're going for no, earlier, I, I'm right? not picking yeah. Duke this time. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. picking Notre Dame this time, but I, I picked Duke <laughs> in that game. I pick, I pick, <laughs> I'm picking Notre Dame to beat the much like better Duke team like, this uh, time than Duke was last time. <laughs> well, Notre Dame is much better than they were at that time, had, too. I think it was 38-34 Duke I had. And what was it, 42-38 final or something? I think like that's that? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that it's funny. There's like a little bit of like serendipity, kismet, yeah. like butterfly in the Amazon thing going on there. Where Brian Vandergorder, <laughs> he got fired the next day. Got fired the next day, which opened the door for Elko to come in, which then maybe led to him yeah. eventually getting hired as the Duke head coach. And now everything's coming full circle. Yeah, it will not be forty two thirty eight in Durham. I can I can tell you that this time yeah. around. No, that would be yeah. pretty pretty shocking. Um, but well, you know, I guess we'll go ahead and get out of here again. Adam, Tim, appreciate your time. Um, I will give you a chance here to plug anything you got going on. I know y'all mentioned some stuff that y'all collaborated on. Anything you got for mm-hmm. preview stuff? Where can the people find that? Tell them where to go. Yeah, Duke sides the Devils We've got an insider's preview with Tim. Uh, he answered our our questions graciously uh so we've got that article up there and then i'll pass it over to tim yeah we're irishillustrated.com on the 24 7 sports network adams is up as well answered our questions uh i had some fun with adam on that one talking about the atmosphere being a little bit different when i show up for the for the game this time <laughs> now that was a night game too the last time i came to duke Notre Dame cannot escape night games by the way it is just a remarkable situation louisville is a night game next week louisville louisville's a night game i mean how mm. many how many how many teams are gonna do they play Navy at night for crying out loud. I'm not complaining. I like it. But uh we sleep in May. That's right. I'll sleep in May. That's right. <laughs> but no, it should be a fun week. It's great that game day's there. I think it makes for a really fun week for the for the fans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, you know, we, to it. yeah, we appreciate both y'all coming on, um, sharing your time. You know, as always, rate review, subscribe. You can find us on Twitter at the Devil's Den Pod 247. 
find us on the boards at thedevilsden.com. You can email us at thedevilsdenpod at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, even though this time we got the helmets on, you know what to do. Keep the faces strong and the verve high. Go do it.